All right, Wrestling With Theology fans, this is Pastor Doug Minton digging deeper in the Psalms with you, this time looking at Psalms 48 and 49, where the sons of Korah say there is no fear in Zion. There is no fear for those whose trust is in the Lord. There's not much to say in preparation for these because it is a great message that it has to give. So let's just get right to it. Psalm 48, a song, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. His holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, is the joy of all the earth. Mount Zion in the far north, the city of the great king. Within her citadels, God has made himself known as a fortress. For behold, the kings assembled. They came on together. As soon as they saw it, they were astounded. They were in a panic and they took flight. Trembling took hold of them, their anguish as of a woman in labor. By the east wind you shattered the ships of Tarshish. As we have heard, you have, so have we seen in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of God, which God will establish forever. We have thought on your steadfast love, O God, in the midst of your temple. As your name, O God, so your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Let Mount Zion be glad. Let the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments. Walk about Zion. Go around her. Number her towers. Consider well her ramparts. Go through her citadels, that you may tell the next generation that this is God, our God forever and ever. He will guide us forever. So far, Psalm 48. Great praise for Jerusalem and for God itself, himself, but... A couple of things to point out here, especially verse 2, as we look at Mount Zion in the far north. And if you look at a map of Palestine in the United Kingdom, Jerusalem's kind of in the south. Now, granted, it's almost in the far north of the southern kingdom of Judah, but what are we talking about with the far north? Well, Isaiah picks this up in Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 15, where he's talking to the prince of Tyre, which many people do believe is a pseudonym for Satan in this passage. So Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of the dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the mountains low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. Above the stars of God, I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. So far, Isaiah. There are many things in the pseudepigrapha of the Old Testament, the falsely attributed writings that talk about this. Uh, I know the book of Enoch and Jubilees and one of the testaments of the patriarchs, those being the three major uh, forms of the pseudepigrapha, talk about this idea of Satan falling from heaven, which Jesus says himself, but then trying to reestablish his rule and therefore being the day star, the sun of dawn, or as other translations have it, the morning star, as being the false one, as we sing to the true one on Epiphany, O morning star, how fair and bright. This is the pseudo 
morning star. But again, the pride in his heart saying, I will ascend above God and his angels, and I will be better. We think, why would Satan, knowing that he was a creation of God, think that he could rise above? Why do you think you can rise above God? Why do you think that you know better than God some things? Because you also are a creation of God, just like Satan. And just as easily, you can succumb to pride as he did. Verse 3 shows a connection to some of the other psalms in the first part of this book, especially Psalm 46, 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is him being made and making himself a fortress and a citadel for his people. Verses 4 through 8 talk about Zion being the eternal city of God. And then we have 12 through 14, where people are encouraged to walk around Jerusalem, walk around Zion, consider all the beauty that there is, consider all the power that is there, and they can do it rightly. Unlike Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 4, where he looks upon Babylon that he built, forgetting that just a chapter earlier, he was praising God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for being above all of his gods and having no one worship anybody else except for the God of Israel. And then he goes on basically to worship himself. And then he becomes like a wild beast and is driven out of the palace until his mind comes back to him and he repents of his works. Well, you also look at Psalm 22, the last couple of verses there. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. The great power of God. Yeah, that's what we keep talking about. The power that he uses to forgive sins, the sins of you and me, of the sons of Korah, of David, and of everyone else. That is the great power of God. That is the great purpose of God and his church on earth is to promote that forgiveness. And that is why we have no fear. And that is the point of Psalm 49. To the choir master, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Hear this, all peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will solve my riddle to the music of the lyre. Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me, those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches? Truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. For the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice, that he should live on forever and never see the pit. For he sees that even the wise die, the fool and the stupid alike must perish, and leave their wealth to others. Their graves are their homes forever, their dwelling places to all generations, though they called lands by their own names. Man in his pomp will not remain, he is like the beasts that perish. This is the path of those who have foolish confidence, yet after them people approve of their boast. 
Like sheep they are appointed for Sheol, death shall be their shepherd, and the upright shall rule over them in the morning. Their form shall be consumed in Sheol with no place to dwell. But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. Be not afraid when a man becomes rich, when the glory of his house increases. For when he dies, he will carry nothing away. His glory will not go down after him. For though while he lives, he counts himself blessed. And though you get praise when you do well for yourself, his soul will go to the generation of his fathers who will never see light again. Man in his pomp yet without understanding is like the beast that perish. So far Psalm 49. Again, the proclamation, hear this, because this is important. Why should we fear? When we have God on our side, what is there to trouble us? But then we get to thinking, okay, let's talk about this and let's talk about our security here. Because if we, are, if we have God, then maybe we can do something else. So we have verse 7. Truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. Reading this, I wonder what the Pope was thinking when he first came up with the idea of indulgences. I mean, this is definitely the idea that one man can buy off another's salvation. And this goes way back, even before indulgences, but to the treasury of the saints that is brought forward where the Pope can forgive sins and give merits from dead saints who have done more than they needed to to be saved. But no man can ransom another. Not any human man, at least. But thanks be to God that he sent his son true God and true man, to ransom each and every one of us. But as we look at life, everybody dies. The rich, the poor, the wise, the foolish, it doesn't matter who you are. Death will be your shepherd. What a chilling note that is when you go back to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. How different it is if you try to say death is my shepherd and I have all wants because that is what death has is just nothing but wants. It wants and wants. It seeks to devour more and more and is never satisfied. And that's exactly what you and I succumb to is its intense desire to continue to destroy what God has created. And we think, okay, a rich man, he should be able to get into heaven. He should be blessed by God because he has all this stuff. I mean, the apostles thought so himself. The Sunday's gospel reading has the rich young ruler coming to Jesus, asking, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he says, one thing you lack. Go sell everything that you have and give to the poor and you have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Let me be your shepherd. Do not let death be your shepherd. But the rich young man went away sorrowful because he had great riches and he trusted in those riches. And 
this is the problem that we have in this life. We go back to the ancient Egyptians and the building of the pyramids, and they would oftentimes put armies and wives and all of this stuff inside of the pyramids and the tombs of the kings so that when they came back to life, when they were raised from the dead by the gods to reign over Egypt again, they had everything they needed. And the psalmist says, you can't take it with you when you go. As Christian Bush puts it in the song Trailer Hitch, I've never seen a hearse with a trailer hitch. You can't take it with you when you go. If death is your shepherd, death is all that you have. And when you have death, you have absolutely nothing at all. And that is the great fear of life, is having the nothingness of death. But thanks be to God that he does not leave us with death as our shepherd. He has come to be our shepherd. And that is why we have no fear in this life. It can be a virus. It can be cancer. It can be heart disease. It can be murder. It can be whatever it is that claims our life. We don't have to be afraid. We have God. He is our fortress. He is our refuge. And that is the important part. All right, that's it for this week and the digging deeper into the Psalms. This is Pastor Doug Minton thanking you for being here. And until next time, I wish you God's richest blessings as you wrestle with theology. Amen.